Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. <laughs> so happy to join with you today. It's my last day in Vermont. I'm departing later. Anybody who's going to Satnam Fest in Lenox, Massachusetts, I'll see you there. My first time at Satnam Fest, the Kundalini Yoga Extravaganza. I trust it'll be a lot of fun. And I'm grateful that we are joining together right here and right now for the purpose of expansion and healing. So let's take that breath of love and gratitude together and be so grateful and so thankful to place our hand on our heart and to open our mind, to open ourselves to the fullness of love, to say yes to our wholeness and our holiness. We are grateful and thankful to join together as the very love of God. We are opening ourselves to transformation, to healing, to a new understanding of perfect love, compassion. We are grateful and thankful to say yes to this adventure in healing the mind. We are grateful to partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self and say yes to letting go of the blocks to love, to standing for love, with love, as love. In gratitude, we share the benefits with all because we're one with them. In gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Yes. Mm. Mm. So, our topic today is a request of developing deep compassion. It is certainly one of the things that our elder brother Jesus taught us how to do, but we forget. One of my favorite things that he said, according to the New Testament, he said, what you do to the least of them, you do to me. It was part of his teaching on the unity of all life, that if people who loved him could grasp that what you do to the least of them, you do to me because we are one. Such a beautiful and subtle teaching. And what I energize and pray for is those that do love the Master Pastor Jesus and call themselves Christians would really take that to heart and live that, what you do to the least of them, you do to me. I pray for that. I pray for my own ability to completely walk the talk and live the love. And being one with all, I pray for all to do the same. Mm-hmm. So first, let's just start by describing compassion and really making sure we understand what compassion is. So I'm going to give you my definition, and it is loving understanding. So compassion is extending love and understanding together. It's non-judgment. So it is love by, is the, is the, Ground of our being. Love is the ground of our being, uh, Deepak Chopra might say. Maybe got to work on my Chopra accent but uh, or impersonation. But love is the ground of our being. Love is the field in which we live, move, and have our being. Love is all. 
And compassion is an expression of love that extends understanding. So, for instance, I've had the opportunity to meet and to uh, listen to folks who have who teach compassion because things have happened in their life that are really devastating and they'd like to be able to learn from it. That's how they can live with it. And I remember, I do not recall their names, but I believe they wrote a book. Somebody might remember their name and could put it in the radio show Facebook group, which by the way, if you're part of that Facebook group, um, please share, please comment You can also put in there radio topic suggestions. Uh, Love to hear your comments and your feedback there so much. Really, really do love that. Uh, Course in Miracles radio show, I think it's the name of the Facebook group. And there were these two gentlemen that I heard speak a few times when I was involved with the season for nonviolence in Los Angeles, which I was for many years. And uh, they were a father and a grandfather. And I may not get the details correct, but their teaching emerged from their life experience where one of them I think it was the father's son was killed by the grandfather's grandson. Something like that. One of them, one of the boys or young men, I think they were both teenagers, but I don't recall the details. Uh, One of them killed the other when he was delivering a pizza. It was a kind of a crazy moment, uh, crazy kind of a gangsta moment in the killer's life. And the father and the grandfather got together and uh, the, I believe it was the father's son was killed, and he was able to say to the grandfather of the boy, I just don't remember which one got killed, but one of them was able to say to the other, you know, I, I forgive your child for having done this to my child. And they wrote a book together, as I recall, and they were on tour speaking this was many years ago, and very inspiring, very inspiring indeed. And that's compassion. Forgiveness and compassion are often together in the sense that true forgiveness is non-judgment. It's having no opinions. It's having no attack thoughts. It's harboring no resentments, no blame. That's what true forgiveness is, is being able to be a witness, to see things as they are, and to recognize, as crazy as it seems to the ego, to the spirit, all things work together for good. And there is a purpose to everything under the sun. Turn, turn, turn. That's the bird song. And... Compassion is that loving understanding that, for instance, when someone eats that last piece of cake and you didn't have any and you were saving it, and you can recognize that your nephew who ate it, he wasn't intending to do you any harm, and you just... Just have loving understanding about it. It can also be when someone has been unkind, mean, attacking, resentful, seemingly maybe for no reason they got provoked, 
and they went off like this boy did and killed the pizza delivery boy, uh, that you can look at that and look at the people involved and say, yes, the actions were insane. Yes, the words that were said, what was done was unloving, unkind, uh, unhelpful, attacking, frightening, whatever it could be described as. But I am going to respond with love. I'm going to extend love in the form of having compassion, which means I'm not going to judge this or I'm going to let my judgments go. I've definitely learned that life stays peaceful. It remains peaceful. It is peaceful when I do not judge and then I don't need any forgiveness because I haven't judged. So I prefer to live a life of non-judgment. Am I there 100% of the time? I am not. I, I don't know what the percentage is. 92% comes into my mind as I'm saying it. Thank you, angels. Okay, I'll take 92. I'm pretty darn happy with 92 based on where I came from when it was probably the reverse. 8% of the time I was not judgmental. 92% of the time I was attacking, criticizing, blaming, shaming, resenting, guilting, taking offense every which way. Judge, judge, judge. What new way could I judge? Seriously, that's how I used to approach my life. No wonder I was miserable. So maintaining peace is is uh, what happens when we practice non-judgment. So compassion is extending love rather than judgment. So one of the great things about the world we live in today is there's so much opportunity to extend compassion to the person who has done something hateful, something unkind, something really hurtful to have compassion because I used to do be unkind and be hurtful and say mean things. And if only people had really been able to have compassion for me and say to me, sweetheart, darling, let's, let's see what's underneath all this rage. Let's see what's underneath all this attack. Would you like some support for letting it go so you can find peace? I don't recall anybody ever saying that to me. Really, I don't recall anyone ever saying that to me. But now, we can say it without even saying anything, because sometimes to say something to someone who's attacking and being hurtful will just provoke them more because deep down they feel so guilty and so ashamed. So having compassion for that is being able to look at that and say, you're still lovable. You are still lovable. Or I can still be loving towards you. The actions aren't lovable, but underneath the cry for love, the sane person resides. And our job as A Course of Miracles students is not to buy into the projection and the perception. If what we're seeing on the screen of our life is upsetting to us, we are not seeing what's really there. We're seeing our interpretation of it because the truth is liberating. So if we were seeing what was really there, we would feel liberated. We would feel free. We would be so, so grateful. Mm-hmm. This is the truth. So a deep compassion has no favorites, that we are consistent. And this is one of the uh, 
one of the main aspects of A Course in Miracles is the, the, the ability to be consistent. In fact, in the Manual for Teachers, it is the second characteristic of God's teachers. So the first characteristic is trust, uh, and that it tells us everything is based on that. Now, here's how trust comes into play. When we're able to extend compassion, to have love that is understanding, where's our trust? It's not in the ego. It's in God. It's in spirit. It's in love. It's in the power of love to heal and transform our own heart. So we're extending it to others to help them heal because we're one with them. So that's why all the other characteristics of God's teachers have trust as a foundation. So the second characteristic of God's teachers is called honesty. And uh, I love what it says about this. I'm going to share this. I'm going to take a sip of my spiritual espresso here. Really good. (laughs) So, honesty. All other traits of God's teachers rest on trust. Once that has been achieved, the others cannot fail to follow. That's why we focus on trust so, so much. Trust and faith. Only the trusting, only those people who are trusting can afford honesty. And uh, afford honesty. I, it, this is such a great uh, way to say it. Only the trusting can afford honesty for only they can see its value. And at a time when there is so much dishonesty that we're seeing where in the media and in, uh, with our politicians, right? I think it's the Wall Street Journal that keeps a running tally. And a week or two ago, they said uh, our president, God bless him, was up to 4,000 things that were not true that he said, and he has an average of seven a day. It'd be really rough to carry that energy around. So we, we pray for him to um, have a realization of truth that is so profound. He has complete liberation from dishonesty. So only the trusting can afford honesty, for only they can see its value. Honesty does not apply only to what you say. The term actually means consistency. There's nothing you say that contradicts what you think or do. No thought opposes any other thought. That's what honesty is. Consistency. No thing you say that contradicts what you think or do. No thought opposes any other thought. No act belies your word. And no word lacks agreement with another. This is a big deal for a lot of people, that nothing you say contradicts what you think or do. And I can say for myself that in my experience, on this journey of awakening, what I've witnessed is that the more I value my connection with spirit, the more I really am interested in this complete consistency and the practice of non judgment and extending understanding and love, compassion, really helps me to be consistent. Why? Because many times uh, before, as a spiritual student, 
I would say one thing and I would do another. So uh, I'm going to tell you a secret here. (laughs) I'm about to do something I've never done before. I'm very excited about it, and I'm going to announce it by email on Thursday. And probably at Facebook too. Uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you here. <laughs> because otherwise, if this is the only thing you listen to, you might miss it. And I wouldn't wish you to miss it if you are interested in it. I'm doing a five-day challenge about healing self-medication. I was... Walking in nature, and it came like a flash of light into my mind that this is how I could be helpful is to do a free class. This is going to be a five day challenge, a free class about self medication. And so, this in this five day challenge, it's about developing awareness so that we can choose healing, we can choose again, and create some dominion uh, over the ego and uh, make new choices. Because for me, I was um, so enmeshed in self-medication, it just, it took me many, 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 many years to finally stop it. And what, what's great about it is, just like with smoking, which is a form of self-medication, overeating, drinking, all the many different ways we can self-medicate, work, exercise, cleaning, uh, shopping. I always say the people who self-medicate with cleaning come to my house and we'll have a session. Um, but I don't have a house, so there you go. Um, now, so... Uh, we, what I can tell you is for myself that I found that the self-medication was really uh, just crushing me. But the more I found freedom from fear uh, and did these practices that are in A Course in Miracles, the interest in self-medication naturally fell away. And that's what I wish for everyone who joins me in this free five-day challenge. So um, watch your email. I'm going to email out on Thursday and watch Facebook. And I invite you to come and do it with friends. Again, it's totally free. It's five days. Do a little bit of work each day and with the intention of letting go of this self-sabotage in the form of self-medication. So back to only the trusting can afford honesty for only they can see its value. The value of honesty is that value of consistency. And it's consistency that is attained not through some kind of struggle. So for instance, if we can stop self-medicating because we've got control over our behavior and we're telling ourselves, if you dare have any sugar or alcohol or pornography or smoke or whatever it is that you might be self-medicating with, if you dare, then you are the worst scum of the earth. You should be punished. And that's how we're manipulating ourselves or even we could say motivating ourselves not to self-medicate the mind is actually going to rebel at some point and probably go crazy and uh, erupt like a volcano and we've probably all experienced that right in some way shape or form that that's why uh, behavior modification, it's, it's really for those who are further entrenching with the ego. And this compassion of, for the self, loving compassion for the self, is learning to be consistently loving and understanding with the self. 
It's powerful. So the opportunity to be consistent is always there for us. And being consistent is actually uh, self-compassion. And it's a loving expression. And it says here, when we are truly honest, truly consistent, at no level are we in conflict with ourselves. So then we're, we are living the love. We are walking the talk. Now, for myself, so many times I would fall down. And I still do. I find myself irritated. Well, why am I irritated? Because I'm judging something that's going on. And I can change my mind about it. You hear that music? It's time for me to take a break. So... I'm Jennifer Hadley. You're listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio, and we'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Ah, bonjour. Welcome back. I'm Jennifer Hadley. We're talking about A Course in Miracles. We're talking about developing deep compassion. And we were talking about honesty, being consistent, having the intention to be consistent, to be honest with God, that we are walking the talk. We are living the love. We're demonstrating it. We're extending it. We're releasing the blocks to love as best we can each day. That's the consistency that wears away the ego attachments. So I'm going to circle back for just a moment, too, because it's so much on my mind right now. I'm preparing for this free class, this five-day challenge on self-medicating. Uh, when I was self-medicating intensely, I, I had no compassion for myself. Why would I put myself through that if I had compassion for myself? I never would have. It felt torturous to me to say over and over and over and over again, I'm never going to do that anymore. I'm going to stop. I'm done with that. And then maybe the very next day or certainly in days or however long it might be, back again. And uh, I would do things like, I would even go to spiritual classes uh, and on the way home, pick up a bottle of wine, a pack of cigarettes to bring my vibration back down again. That's the thing about sabotage. Sabotage has a purpose. It's not just to mess us up. It's actually to slow down our spiritual growth and awakening. It's to get in the way of that. It's a self-attack. So I would do things like I would drink too much wine, stay up too late watching television, smoke too many cigarettes, drink too many beers, eat too many crunchy, salty foods, or too much sugar, or whatever it might be. Uh, or working, working till 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, exercising too hard, too many days in a row. So many different things or chatting on the phone endlessly, endlessly, chatting, chatting, chatting. Like I have to tell every person I know all the details of my life. I don't do any of those things anymore. Although sometimes uh, it's, it's not very often anymore, but sometimes I do feel like, oh, I ate a little too much or uh, I could have left off those last three bites. Um Oh, wow. I'm just remembering I had a dream about eating a bunch of sugar and even a, a candy and things. And even as I was doing it, I was thinking, why am I doing this? I don't even like this stuff. That's funny. I just had that the other day, part of this self-medication prep. And that was one of the things I would do, too. Maybe it's for this moment right now. I would feel like I had to finish. Like, okay, I'm going to go all the way till I pass out. 
or I, I just can't do it anymore. And um, so hurtful to myself. And then I'd wake up, I'd feel terrible. And of course, I'd want to start self-medicating again soon because I just felt awful. And I felt so badly that I had such little self-control. It was very intense for me. And I'm so grateful that by choosing to have self-compassion and compassion for my brothers and sisters, this practice of extending love, that my self-attack, self-punishment, self-sabotage, and the ways I really would hurt my liver, my stomach, um, my lungs, that I just don't do that anymore. And I don't have to stop myself. I don't have to prevent myself. I don't have to be rigid. It's really not my choice anymore. And let me just say, my friend, I never saw that day coming. I just truly did not think that was achievable for me. But spirit made it so. Spirit made it so. So being consistent is, for me, it's it's consistently relying upon spirit to lead me and guide me and to not go it alone. And when I am consistently throughout my day looking, and I do mean looking, for opportunities to extend loving understanding, to extend compassion, to, uh, as Course in Miracles would say, to join with others and to be loving and compassionate. I've got a chipmunk here that just, oh, now the squirrel's at it. I'm sitting outside in the Vermont woods on this little porch of this very simple rustic building. And the squirrels and the chipmunks are all over this place. They don't have any compassion. They don't. They will eat my things. <laughs> and poop on my stuff but anyway they're just doing their thing I can extend compassion to them (laughs) so uh, I I really was amazed I'm still amazed to, to really see wow I am not attracted to those things anymore not attracted because I'm loving myself I'm going to finish this little section on honesty in the manual for teachers because it's just two paragraphs. And I love this part um, where it says, there's nothing you say that contradicts what you think or do. No thought opposes any other thought. So in other words, we don't have the thoughts like, oh, I love him so much, so precious to me. And then that son of a gun. Ah! So there's, we don't have that kind of uh, opposing thought that we're entertaining and jumping back and forth between spirit and ego. No act belies your word. So in other words, you say one thing and do another. You're not doing that. It says no word lacks agreement with another Another way of saying consistency. Such are the truly honest. At no level are they in conflict with themselves. Therefore, it is impossible for them to be in conflict with anyone or anything. Now, it's interesting because what pops into my mind is Jesus and the Pharisees and um, Pilate and all those things, uh, but he was not in conflict with them. They were in conflict with him, and I think that's really important to note. He knew he was there to set an example and to hold a vibration, and he did that, and he didn't have a lot of conflict about it. I love that. And it says here, the peace of mind which the advanced teachers of God experience is largely due to their perfect honesty. The peace of mind which the advanced teachers of God experience is largely due to their perfect honesty. I can honestly say uh, that I 
have yet to achieve perfect honesty, but I'm en route. 92%. That's what I got today. Sharing it with you. Keeping it real. Keeping it real. It is only the wish to deceive that makes for war. So be mindful. Is there any part where you don't want people to know what you're thinking or doing? Give that over to spirit. You don't have to analyze it because that's what the ego does. You don't have to feel guilty or bad about it because that's what the ego thought system is perpetuating. Instead, give it to the Holy Spirit. Have self-compassion. It says here, no one at one with himself can even conceive of conflict. So when we're wholly identified with the Holy Self, the higher self, the Holy Spirit self, there's no dishonesty. There's no conflict. Conflict, and this is so helpful. You might want to write this down and put it on a post-it, put it on your mirror. Conflict is the inevitable result of self-deception. And self-deception is dishonesty. Would you like to eliminate conflict in your life? Where you see conflict, where you experience conflict, it's a projection of your own self-deception. Ponder that, my friend. Ponder that. Ponder it deeply. If you'd like to have deep, deep compassion, ponder that. Conflict is the inevitable result of self-deception, and self-deception is dishonesty. Sit down, contemplate deeply where are you deceiving yourself. One way I used to deceive myself was by sitting and fantasizing about having a better life. Don't need that anymore. I don't need it anymore. I don't want to live in a fantasy world. I'd like to live in this world being 100%. (laughs) 100% loving. (laughs) There is no challenge to a teacher of God. Think of that. No challenge to a teacher of God. Challenge implies doubt, and the trust on which God's teachers rest secure makes doubt impossible. All the time, people say, well, how do you know that? I'm like, well, I know it because I know it. That's how I know it. I feel it's true. And a lot of times people say, well, how's that ever going to happen? You know, like, here she comes with her fancy ideas. How's that ever going to happen? I don't know. It hasn't been revealed yet, but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. My job is not to figure out how it's going to happen. My job is to allow it to happen, to hold it with God and allow it. Because we trust in God, we can only succeed. In this, as in all things, they are honest. They can only succeed because they never do their will alone. They choose for all mankind, for all the world, and all things in it, for the unchanging, unchangeable beyond appearances, and for the Son of God and his Creator. How could they not succeed? They choose in perfect honesty, sure of their choice, as of themselves. There it is. There it is. Honesty. Consistency. Are part of our cultivating that deep, deep compassion. Because every single day affords us so many opportunities to extend loving understanding. I I just had one myself uh, this morning. I waited too long to make uh, some breakfast. And I was on the edge of hangry, right? Feeling hungry and angry because my blood sugar. And I share the kitchen with other people. And somebody was in the kitchen when I went in there. And they 
prefer not to have other people in the kitchen and um, when they're in there. And I respect that. So uh, it's a little complicated. I'm not going to explain the details, but um, I felt like, ugh, like to get in here and cook your cooking. Okay, I'll leave. And the other person said, no, I'll leave. They were there first. I said, said, no, no, I'll leave. I'll go do something else and I'll come back. And, um, but I was definitely like, okay, I've got to manage my energy so my blood sugar doesn't drop. So I went away and I did things. And then when I came back and then I also made some coffee and I said to this person, uh, there's coffee. Would you like coffee? And so we had a little chat and the other person said, thank you so much for understanding and leaving me the kitchen, I said, no, I understand. You, you've got, you like to be alone when you're cooking. It's fine. I really do understand. I respect that. And uh, I just myself was, my blood sugar was dropping. And the other person said, mine too. I said, well, there we go. Well, all's well. And it, it truly is all well. And so not making the meaning of the experience that this other person was against me or they didn't respect me or they were in my way. Don't need to make any of those meanings. And I felt so much how they appreciated my understanding. And so we had a very loving, compassionate exchange. These moments are available all the time, right? And especially anyone who has children or aging parents, or anything like that, there's so many opportunities to have compassion. I hear from folks in my year-long Masterful Living class, right now we're past the halfway mark, and so people are really changing their lives, really changing their minds now. They're, They're really picking up momentum, and they're really seeing how these practices and the inner work that they're doing is really paying off in their relationships, in the health of their body, in their finances, in their happiness, all these different areas of their life. And so they're beginning to be able to have more compassion for others and more self-compassion. So when we're dishonest with ourselves, we're more than likely going to attract into our life people who will be dishonest with us. That mirror is very strong that when we're dishonest with others and ourselves, because like attracts like, we will bring into our lives people who will reflect that back to us. And it can seem like we're their victims, but we are not. We are working together in tandem to see what can be seen, to know what can be known, and to make higher choices. So these are the kinds of things that we really look deeply at in Finding Freedom, in Masterful Living, because it's so helpful. What's uh, A Course in Miracles, right? Lesson five, never upset for the reason I think. Never upset for the reason I think. Well, so why am I upset? I'm upset because the meaning I made of things. I'm upset because I've been judging, because I've been attacking, because I haven't been loving. So every day we can extend love and compassion to the people we see on the news, to the people we see. I I used to, when I lived in L.A. and I would drive back and forth to Agape on the other side of town, from me where I lived in, um, uh, in, well, technically I lived in L.A., but I was at the entrance to the Laurel Canyon on the West Hollywood side. So I would drive to Culver City to go to services or be in volunteering or take classes at Agape. And along the route I went, it was a bus route. So all along the route, people would be sitting or standing at the bus stops And I would bless them as I drove by them, especially late at night. They would really catch my attention and 
And I could imagine how tired I would be if I had to wait for a bus to go home. And there were many times after a class, and we'd be getting out 10, 10, 15, and it'd be late, and somebody might be saying, could you give me a ride to the bus stop? And I'd say, well, where are you going? You going, can I give you a ride further? Oh, that'd be great. Then I don't have to change buses. I might go out of my way a bit to take someone so they didn't have to take two buses or three buses. Out of compassion, understanding, it's late. We're all tired. We want to go to bed. And yeah, it might take me another 10 or 15 minutes to go home, but that's okay. What I know is you can't outgive God. So I can extend a hand here. Two or three hands are going to be extended to me in the future. It's just how God is. Because when we're sharing, we're opening the door to receiving by being in that joining with others, that extension, that extension of love. Looking for, throughout your days, the opportunity, instead of to complain, to extend loving compassion. That is a life-changing practice right there. Life-changing. So what, what keeps coming to me is this image of somebody going into the office kitchen to get some coffee and there's something going on there that's annoying. Ugh. Look, they left a mess. Or they left all the coffee cups or spilled it on the counter and the sugar. Good Lord, what's wrong with these people, right? Could be the complaints. Or like, why am I the only one? Jeez, why can't the person who drinks the last cup make a fresh pot? Hello, <laughs> right? We have these kinds of thoughts. Or someone who steals your yogurt out of the fridge or whatever it is. To instead of complaining, instead of attacking, because it's no good for us, right? If you've got inflammation, if you've got illness, the best anti-inflammatory is forgiveness. And even better, extend love. Don't judge. Interrupt the pattern. So, wherever it is that you find yourself, maybe you, you have a habit of complaining about this. Gosh, why don't they ever empty the dishwasher? Good Lord, why am I the only one that empties the dishwasher? All right, we had someone in Masterful Living who was sharing that this was a pet peeve, that their spouse didn't fill the dishwasher, empty the dishwasher, these kinds of tasks. Why am I the only one that does this? Well, first of all, if I find myself repeating, why am I the only one? The, it's not going to interrupt the pattern. It's just going to keep it going. That, that righteous anger thing, right? The ego uh, thought pattern is so strong in that righteous anger. That's a great way to identify with the ego, to complain like that. And in the class, it was so beautiful. The person made a commitment to not letting that habit go. And in the process, extending compassion and realizing that they were the one that wanted the dishwasher emptied in a timely manner. And that it only took seven minutes to do it. And you know what? Dang, I was so glad to know that. And I thought, yeah, seven minutes. I can do seven minutes. So while I'm waiting for this, these onions to saute or these eggs to cook or whatever, I can unpack the dishwasher and feel good about it. I've got seven minutes to avoid any and all complaints and instead to be helpful. And then the great thing is, too, when we do things like that is 
We don't have to talk about it. We don't have to let anybody know. There are so many ways that we can extend love and compassion throughout our day. I invite you to start making a list of them. Start watching out for them. That's what I did. I started looking around me in my life. Where can I extend compassion right now? And it's a great thing to do. If you're feeling irritable, you're feeling put out or put upon, just stop. Stop that pattern. Give it to the Holy Spirit and say, okay, now let me look around. Where can I extend compassion? And in the age we live in, you could just send a little text to somebody saying, I'm thinking of you and knowing that you're having a a good day today or I'm sending you a prayer and a blessing. I love you very much. Little things like that. So easy to do. We can just look at our window and look at the neighbor's house next door and go, May your day be blessed. Looking for the opportunities to bless people rather than to complain about them. It's life-changing. It completely recalibrates us. And if we do that frequently enough, what I know is healing happens at all levels. Physically, emotionally, mentally, etherically, spiritually, We're eliminating the causes of pain. This I know. Oh, my gosh. I'm so grateful to share this with you. I'm so grateful to all the people who make this radio show possible and make it possible for us to uh, transcribe all these uh, shows. And you can find them at livingacourseofmiracles.com forward slash radio. You can also make a donation, a tax-deductible donation at livingofcourseofmiracles.com. And a few things that you may be interested in, we've got the teacher trainings uh, here in August with John Mundy, uh, Inspired Speaking, Inspired Teaching, Inspired Writing, three separate retreats. In the fall, Forgive and Be Free, my weekend retreat. Come do the deep work and the pain and suffering. And then I've got my spiritual counseling training intensive in October, too. So many blessings. Hand on my heart, I'm grateful and thankful for the love of God shining in our minds. We're grateful and thankful to develop a deep compassion. We share the benefits with all, and we let the healing be. In gratitude, we know it's done, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of your week. Mwah!